Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Ask you if you would to stand back up for a second. If you'll close your eyes and bow your heads while you're standing, maybe you are in one of those places that Joey just described. Uh, and if you are, you're in the right place. That's why we gather together. And worship is singing, and worship is lifting our voices, and worship is also prayer, and worship is also praying for one another. So if you're in one of those places this morning where you just say, the mountain's not moving like I hoped, and uh, I'm weary, and I need prayer, would you just just lift up your hand? And if you are standing around somebody whose hand is lifted, I want to encourage you to walk over to them and put your hand on their shoulder. And let's spend some time praying for one another. This is what the church is all about. So that means you can move from your position right now. You can unglue your feet from the carpet. And if you see somebody whose hand, lift your hand again. It's all right. If your hand is up and you just say, I need a special prayer. If you see someone whose hand is raised, your hand is not raised. That's an indicator that you're the one that needs to move. This is a hint. Find someone whose hand is raised and just uh, have a quick prayer on their shoulder. Lift them up. Would you do that? I will close us in a prayer together here in just a second. Father, we come to you today because uh, we are dependent upon you. Without you, we can do nothing. So Lord, I pray today for the needs of every person in this place, but most especially for those this morning who have just lifted up their hand and said, I just need a special touch, a special word from the Lord today. Lord, I pray that you would grant the need in their life. And thank you that Because of their faith and their boldness today, Lord, I believe that you will meet that need according to your riches in Christ Jesus, as your word promises. So build up our faith today, Lord. Encourage us. Strengthen us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you would, you can have a seat this morning. It's good to see you. And uh, I hope you've had a good week. Uh, Since uh, we've had such a great turnout this morning... Uh, we will be setting the clocks back again next weekend. And maybe in 51 weeks we'll get caught back up on the right schedule, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's good to see you. Uh, we've had a great week and a busy week. I don't know if we've got a couple of pictures. I know our uh, ladies, do we have our ladies picture there? Had a great time uh, uh, Thursday night, I believe it was, uh, with our women here, right back here in the back, and had a great time of fellowship. And so, so thankful for Lynette and a lot of the other ladies, our hostess committee for pulling that off. And Becky, uh, thank you for leading. I had the privilege this week also, I think there's a photo there, to be with a uh, group of pastors in 
um, where was I? Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, Corey rode up with me. We left early, early Thursday morning, about 4.45, and Will went with me. And uh, we rode up and spent the day with some pastors and got to pray with them, encourage them, about 50 pastors in Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, thank you for your, for your prayers. I appreciate it. Whenever I get the opportunity to go, and I don't do that as much as I used to because my priority is to serve you, but whenever I get the opportunity to go, I want you to know I represent our church. And uh, I told them that... Uh, uh, on Thursday, I said, to have an opportunity to stand in front of you as a pastor and kind of preach, encourage other pastors is kind of intimidating because it's like, you, you, you know this role. But it was great to, uh, to just encourage them. And uh, after the last 18 months, almost two years we've had, uh, that's a group of people, as we all, uh, need encouragement. If you've got your Bible, I want you to open up Ephesians chapter 6. I promise you we will get through Ephesians. And we have to get through it before Thanksgiving, so we've only got a few weeks left. So this Sunday, like last Sunday, I'm going to double up a little bit, which means I have to speak twice as fast, because I'm going to cover two pieces of the armor, and uh, next week we will look at uh, one, of the, uh, one of my favorites, our defensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. But today we're going to look at the shield of faith and uh, the helmet of salvation. Now last week we looked at um, the breastplate of righteousness, and my friend Paul brought this to me. Is Paul here this morning? He dropped this off. And anybody know what this is? Some of you do. Some of you none. Let me just tell you, it's heavier than it looks. And this is a uh, bulletproof vest. I started to wear it this morning because I thought some of you would be mad at me because you got an extra hour of sleep and I might need it. But uh, this is kind of what we talked about last week. I want to encourage you to come by after the service and maybe pick this thing up. It's a little bit heavier than you, than you would think. That represents the breastplate of righteousness. And we talked about that last week as well as the foot of peace, the feet shod with the gospel of peace. So today we're going to pick up uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. So let's read it together again. We'll start with verse 13. As we look at the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. We talked about that. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which we'll talk about next week, which is the Word of God. Faith, the shield of faith. You know, in our world, especially in Christian circles, uh, everyone talks about faith. We hear a lot about faith. Uh, what is faith? The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the substance of things Hope for the evidence of things unseen. Faith is not, uh, I wish upon a star. Our faith is not, man, I hope that if I go eat at my mom's house for Thanksgiving, she's going to have my favorite dressing. That's wishful thinking. That's not the kind of faith that the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about faith is walking in a direction, not being able to see what's going to happen. That's faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So the reality is, everybody in our world, despite the fact that you have some people claim to be atheists, everybody believes in something. 
Everybody puts their faith in something. Now, I don't know about you, but I was watching a couple of games last night, and I was back and forth between the channels. I was hoping for victory for one, and maybe not so much for the other, but we won't go there. We won't go there. It was interesting, and I was watching, and I was wishing, and I was hoping, but that's not the same kind of faith as putting our faith in the ultimate source of truth, as we've been talking about, and that faith is in God. Before going into battle, Roman soldiers would drench their shields of faith. Now, you, you may be like me when you kind of first think of shields of faith. Maybe you're thinking of a Marvel character. Maybe you're thinking of Iron Man. And you come out with a little round trash can circle. And you kind of see that as your shield of faith. That's not the shields that Roman soldiers carried into battle. They were huge faiths. They actually were probably shields. They actually were probably about the size of this pulpit right here. They were huge wood, almost planks or doors, if you will, that they would hide behind that if they needed to be shielded, they could duck down and not be seen because the shield was so big. And they would cover these wooden planks in leather and they would soak that leather in water so that when the piercing arrows would come, and many times if you study how the Romans fought, they would dip those arrows in some kind of oil or some, something that would burn and they would set them on fire and they would shoot those fiery arrows. And when they would hold that shield up, which by the way, it was heavy. It was not a trash can lid. It was heavy. It took great strength. When they would lift that shield up and the arrow would hit it, the arrow would go out. Now here's the reality. And folks, I don't live this way. I wish I did. So as I challenge you through some of the things that we're studying in Ephesians, trust me, as I'm challenging you, I'm challenging myself. Because the reality is for every single arrow that the enemy will shoot at you and I, God's word promises that every single one of those arrows can be extinguished with one thing and it's called the shield of faith. So we are without excuse because God has given us this tool of the shield of faith. Now it's different than the breastplate of righteousness. It's different than a belt of truth. Because those are things that we wear. Those are things that we... They're almost... Paul describes them as clothing items. And they were in the Roman military. As he was looking at these Roman soldiers and kind of making these analogies to the Christian faith. But those are things that we wear. This item is something you actually have to go and actually have to pick it up. The shield of faith. So what does he say about it? Many times these soldiers would take these shields and they would uh, get side by side. And they could almost make a, a wall, a protection, when they worked together. Which is pretty symbolic in and of itself. But these soldiers, they knew who their enemies were. They could see their enemies right there in front of them. Kind of differs a little bit from us, right? So Paul tells us that if you back up into earlier in Ephesians, we read it in verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against those things that we can see. It's against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of the darkness. Against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Mark 4, 19 says it this way. We have to open their eyes so that we may turn from darkness to light. Away from the dominion of Satan to God. That we may receive forgiveness of sins. And an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith. So why do we really need this shield of faith? I just want to point out a few things to you this morning. And then we'll turn our attention to the, to the helmet. And next week I hope we're going to have all these items. I'm looking for a volunteer that wants to dress up as a Roman soldier. 
I'll be looking. I'll be looking. So we're going to look at the shield of faith first, and then we will look at the next item in the armor. First of all, the reason that we need the shield is because it protects us from the enemy. Paul is very clear in these verses that it will help us extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. As these arrows come at us and get hurled at us, like I said, and they hit that shield, it will extinguish any false thing that we're believing. It will extinguish any temptation. The reality is we have to actually apply that tool, that piece of armor. We actually have to go pick up and put that shield on because it will protect us from the enemy. I don't know about you, but I think about what's happening in our world. I think about what's happening in my own life. I think about what's happening in our church world. We are in a spiritual battle. And the enemy, God is working, but anytime God is working, the devil is working. Because he doesn't like it when God is working. And so you and I have to be people who are going to apply this shield of faith. And there's a great reason there, because it protects us from the enemy. The second thing we notice here is it also helps us to be effective. And again, you have to kind of know about Roman military and how they worked in this time. But when they would have their shield of faith, each soldier in the army would have their shield of faith. If the opposing army began to attack, what they would do is they would get together and they would link these picture, these huge wooden, I call them doors because they were about that big. And they would link them together and almost make a fortified wall. Bring that on up here, brother. Ronnie's got one for us to symbolize. I'm so glad you brought that out. Thank you. Props help. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a visual person. It's not this little trash can lid. How many of you used to have it? We don't even have those anymore. Anybody got a little metal trash can at home with one of those little lids? Some of you do, maybe out in your front yard. Thank you, sir. Awesome. This is the actual size right here. According to to, uh, archaeology and what the military... The Roman soldiers would have carried. See, I can almost get behind that, right? By the way, I, I, if, you, if you'd like some more real in-depth um, study about the armor of God, I want to encourage you to go online to our website and check it out because Ronnie did a study with our men, and those videos are online. You, you need to go check it out. Part of the reason that we fall in our world as soldiers in the army, and we can't do what we just sung, stand up, stand up for Jesus, is because we've left some of our armor unused. So can you picture it? If I was hiding behind this, and I had a team of people, five or six people on my team, and we all lined these up, what a wall of protection. And you can see how the Roman soldiers would start pushing forward. When you've got this, and this is probably a little bit lighter than what they would have been, because we've got modern day plywood but can you imagine this is what we need the shield of faith because it will protect us from the enemy and what they would do is they would get these together and sometimes if they they were up uh, in a valley or the opposing army was throwing rocks or throwing spears or they were shooting arrows from up on the mountain then they would get these above them and they all could do like this and have a hedge of protection can i can i be honest with you spiritually Just a few minutes ago, that's what I gave you as a church family the opportunity to do. You with me? Some of us took advantage of it, some of us didn't. And that is when we bind together, when we join together, 
and we put all our shields together, and when one of us is struggling, or one of us says, hey, I need prayer, and the church of God, brothers and sisters, rally around each other together, what we just did is we multiplied this in the believer's life. That's why we come to church. It's not just for you. We sung it. It's not about me. It's not about me, Jesus. I've made it all about me. It's not about me. It's about him. But it's also about the power that can happen through us when we, when we combine our individual shields of faith and we stand together. And I've got to be honest with you, that is one of the benefits that I love about the church. Because I, I need it. What church should be is like a pep rally. I remember at the greatest high school in the state of South Carolina, Dorman High School. I know, I know, Heath. I'm trying, brother. I'm trying, I'm trying. On Friday mornings, well, I'll be honest. I look forward to the pep rally for two reasons. One, because we got out of class. I mean, I'll just be honest. But the other reason was to get together with friends and to unite around the opposing enemy. It was interesting because the, the, the little bickering between our friends kind of went away when we gathered together like that because there was a bigger force that we were collectively going to oppose, and that was Spartanburg High School. And we would cheer, and we would go nuts, and we would be yelling, and we would be screaming, and the football team would come out, and the music would be playing, and they'd come marching in the auditorium, and I could just see that their faith rising, their faith was, and they were getting built up. That's actually a beautiful picture and a biblical picture of what is supposed to happen when we as the church of Christ gather together every week. If you don't leave here feeling that way, something's wrong. It might be you, it might be us. And I'll be honest, most weeks I leave here, I feel that way. I feel pepped up, pumped up, ready. Come on, I'm ready to take on the devil. I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol because I've been among brothers and sisters in Christ at Crossroads. I hope you feel that way. I'm serious. I'm kind of being funny, but, I'm, but I really am serious. Because that's the shield of faith that we take out into the world. And when the enemy starts lobbing these flaming arrows, we hold up our shield of faith. And if we can hold it up collectively as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's even better because it helps us, number two, you see there, to be effective. It also, number three, helps to empower us to live the Christian life. This whole word faith that he talks about here, in addition to all, he says, taking up the shield of faith. That word is a Greek word. It's used 200 times in the Bible. And one of the other places it's used most frequently is a book of the Bible that we studied recently called the book of James. And in every place, in every 200 places in the Bible where that word is used in faith, it is an action word. It's not a passive word, it's an action word that simply means faith is action. Faith means we have to pick up the shield of faith. Faith means we have to exert faith. And it empowers us to live the Christian life. It's an amazing gift. Amazing gift that God has given us as the church is a shield of faith. And collectively, when we use it as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's nothing that we can't do. I'll be honest, I am so excited, I hope you are, about a service that we have coming up in just a few short weeks that will take place here in this room on November the 21st. 
a little bit early at 9 o'clock. We'll have some, some finger food breakfast things. And at 9.30 we'll start our service. That is the Sunday. You should have gotten a letter from me this week. That is the Sunday, I believe, in addition to one we had in September, where our church voted collectively to step out in faith. <clears throat> that is the Sunday, I believe, that will go on record long after I've left this planet, should, God, should Jesus tarry, 40, 50, 60 years from now, that is the Sunday that the future generations will look at and point back and they will say, Crossroads Baptist Church collectively demonstrated a huge shield of faith. That's my prayer at least. Because in just a few weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to decide what we individually and what we corporately would do as a church financially to go where God is calling us to go. Now, I know, and some of you have told me, and I watch the news, I'm not saying you stick your head in the sand. I know what's going on in our world. I know what's happening with the prices of things. I know. You know what that tells me? That what happens, even more so, God is going to get the credit for. Because if inflation was down, and the economy was booming... It'd be really easy, I'm just going to be honest, it would be really easy for Lynette and I to commit what we're going to do because, we, oh, things are great. You know, we can go ahead and step out and commit this. Let me just be honest. Where is the faith in that? If faith is committing what you can do by yourself, why do you need faith? Faith is committing what God can do through me. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that during that service on November the 21st. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Because it's an opportunity for us collectively to put our shields of faith together. Because some of us can do some, some of us can do more, some of us can do not so much. It doesn't really matter. But what matters is us collectively putting our shields of faith side by side and saying, this is what we collectively, God, are trusting you to do through us, through your power. As we pick up the shield of faith to live the Christian life. It's going to be great. But it's not just the shield of faith that he talks about because the next thing he says is take up the helmet of salvation. It's interesting. The helmet, and I have yet to understand why in the state of South Carolina, one of the few states in the nation that does not require one if you're riding a motorcycle at 60 miles an hour. I guess they think some of us are very, very hard-headed. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody have an accident at that speed that did not have a helmet on. It's not a pretty picture. The helmet protects our brain, protects our mind, our head, a very critical piece of the physical body. That's what the helmet does. And Paul is saying here, take up, again, he says to take up the shield of faith, and then he says, take up the helmet of salvation. These are things we have to mentally and spiritually do. The other things were things that we wear. But he says, take up the helmet of salvation. Many times throughout the Bible, I wish we had a lot of time this morning, there are all kinds of, of references to how important the head is. If you remember in, in the Old Testament, in the early books of the Old Testament, oftentimes people would talk about, you think about Abram and Joseph, and many people would give a blessing. And when they would give a blessing, what would they do? They would take their hand and they would place it on the person's head. Equally, when they would curse someone, they would call a curse upon the head of that person. Even our Lord Jesus, through God, in the Old Testament, Jesus was still around in the Old Testament, believe it or not. 
But God talked about how when the, the serpent was, was kind of in the Garden of Eden, it talked about the prophecy that would be fulfilled in Jesus, that Jesus would crush the head of the serpent. So there are a lot of references to the head in the Bible. Do a, do a word search sometimes. If you uh, do that online, you'll just see page after page after page of verses talking about the importance of the head. So I don't think it's a mistake that Paul, when he's here describing the armor of God, makes sure that he includes a very important piece of equipment to protect the head, and that is the helmet of salvation. By design, the helmet is crafted to protect the skull, the neck, the ears, the forehead. And it was equally so when they would wear their Roman garb to protect them from their enemy's weapons. What was also interesting is they would cut the hair of animals... They would get decorative. Apparently, maybe they had HD TV back in that day. I don't know. But they would get decorative, and they would dye the hair of a of a horse, and they would put that in the top of the helmet. And that's where you've seen some of that. You say, "What in the roar was the reason for that?" Well, I'll tell you in just a second as we look through some of these things. Here's here's some reasons why the helmet of salvation is important. Number one, it's a sign of God's lordship in your life. Much like they dipped the hair into dye and they would put it in the helmet. It's the same way you and I, when, if you watched some ball games yesterday, you saw people wearing different helmets with different insignias and different colors and different emblems. Why do they do that? Because when they're running down the field trying to catch the ball, it's easy, and it's happened before, where the QB throws the ball to the wrong person. They do that so that it can identify them with the team. So here's one of the points of the helmet. The helmet identifies you to Jesus. The helmet of salvation is something that each and every one of us who are children of God are given when we accept Christ, when we receive the Lord. But every single day, we have to apply that helmet to our lives. And you and I can choose to get up in the morning and say to ourselves, Lord, I like Paul said in Colossians, Galatians, Chapter 2, verse 20, check me out, I think it's Galatians 2, 20. I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live according to Jesus. It's not my life. That's easy to say, but I have to get up every morning and say, all right, Lord, I don't really feel like a Christian right now. I don't really want to be a Christian right now. But I am figuratively putting on the helmet of salvation because I want to identify with you because you're the Lord of my life. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 14, verse 8. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. If we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or we die, we are the Lord's. We are identifying with the Lord. And part of what happens when you come to know Jesus, and part of why we do baptism, we've said before, when people are baptized, you are identifying symbolically, figuratively, that you identify with Jesus. So what's Paul saying? Paul's saying if you're out here running around with only a few pieces of the armor and you've got those couple pieces of the armor on but your head is unprotected and you don't have the helmet on, no, people are wondering, are you really a child of God or are you not? Because I will tell you, there are some people running around in 2021 who are saying a lot of spiritual Jesus-y type things but if you look at their helmet, they are not a follower of Jesus. You better be careful. You say, 
Wow, is that true? That's how cunning the devil is. That's why Paul warns us right here, watch out, take up the shield of faith so you'll be able to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy because the enemy is cunning and crafty. How do I know? Read the book of Genesis. What did he do to Eve, Adam and Eve? Oh, come on. Did God really say that? Look at that beautiful fruit. Go ahead. It'll make you as smart as God. His tactics haven't changed in all these years. It's still the same. So the helmet of salvation is important. Number one, because it's a sign of God's lordship, the Lord, His lordship in your life. Number two, it means Christ's victory has become my victory. When I identify with Jesus, I'm identifying with the one who has already won the ultimate war. We have our everyday battles, and we'll have those until we go home to be with Jesus. But the ultimate war has already been won. It's already over. The victor has already been, it's already been officiated. The chads have already been counted. The votes are all in. It's Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He wins. So the question is, do I have on his helmet? Am I part of his team? And if I am, and I have on the helmet of salvation, then I'm already victorious because Jesus is the victor. Now, that is a mindset. I get it. Because when I leave here, and you and I leave here this afternoon, and we go out into the world, and we get on Woodruff Road, or we go to the restaurants, or we go to work, or wherever we go, all of a sudden, all the forces of darkness, are they're working. So it, it is mentally getting the mindset that I am a victor in Christ Jesus. Do you know anyone that walks around, don't raise your hand, I guess I should finish that thought. I know you know people that walk around. Do you know anyone that walks around that's always the victim? Did you know that there are some people who can be children of God that walk around as always being the victim? I'm not downplaying history. I'm not downplaying trauma. I'm not downplaying any of the things that have happened to us because of a sinful world. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, as a child of God, our response to that is the question. And how we overcome it, one of the ways the Bible tells us of overcoming it is reminding ourselves by wearing the helmet of salvation that Christ Jesus is the victor. And because I am in him and he is in me, I am also on the winning team. And I'll just tell you, I'll be honest, when you live that way with that mindset, it changes the way you operate as a believer. The world out there is watching us to see how we will live and how we will portray Jesus. And a lot of times the way, generally speaking, that they see Christians living is we are very defensive and we're very argumentative. I'm not saying don't defend your faith. I'm not saying don't study the scripture to be an apologist and to be ready in season and out of season. God's word tells us to do that. But what I'm saying is if the attitude of our heart is... When we're in a discussion with people who maybe don't have our faith. If our heart is, well, I know I'm right and I just want them to know that I'm right. Then I would suggest that maybe we should change our strategy. I know I'm right. I don't really care if they know that I'm right. They don't have to agree that I'm right because I know that I am a part of the victory team. I want them to know that I'm right. Is this making sense? What, what, I, what I'm trying to say is... Be more concerned about the relationship with the person than winning the argument. 
And when you're more concerned about the relationship with the person, it's amazing how much more they might tune in and actually care about what you have to say. Because it becomes not about winning the argument, but it becomes about loving the person. I hope you're, hope I'm making sense. Christ's victory is my victory. Number three, here's the third reason the helmet of salvation is important and we'll wrap up. Number three, it allows us to win the battle of the mind. It allows us to win the battle of the mind. We could spend a whole month just talking about the battle of the mind. We talked about this in our small group last week. Is it the mind? Is it the will? Is it the emotions? All those things, how God created us, that, that again, the Jewish culture talked about being behind the breastplate. When they talked about those vital organs, they were talking about, in, in their culture, they were talking about the mind, the will, and the emotions. We know, and Paul knew as well, that the brain and where we think also is up here. From his Greek culture right here, the brain, the helmet of salvation that protects our brain and our mind. And I think one of the things that's so important for us about this helmet of salvation is it allows us to win the battle of the mind. Almost every single, I, I would almost, all the, the thoughts that come into our minds that lead us either away from God or to God, those things that tempt us, those things that try to make us, cause, make us have cause for doubt. Think about it. They, they all start right here. They all start right here. Well, how, God's, how is God going to do that? I mean, look at the way the world is. You know, we're we're going to be able to raise enough money to do what God wants. How in the world is He going to do it? Already, mind games. Already, right here. Doubt. Read the book of Hebrews chapter 11 because it talks about all through Hebrews chapter 11 and into chapter 12. By faith, Moses did this. By faith, Abram did this. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And sometimes if we don't have on that helmet of salvation, we cannot operate. I think it's interesting that Paul chose to put these two items together, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Because if we aren't wearing the helmet of salvation to protect our mind, then our mind can start causing us to doubt that we have any faith, and that our faith is illegitimate, our faith won't matter to much, or that God's word when God says, when Jesus said to us, if you just had faith as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain, we start doubting even that little bit of faith. So the helmet of salvation helps us in our battle of the mind. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says it this way. It talks about the hope of salvation as a helmet. Maybe that's why Paul is talking about how important this is. Because if you take away hope, if you rid your mind of hope, most of us wouldn't want to get out of bed in the morning. So the helmet of salvation is important. And the helmet of salvation, again, was given to us when we came to know Christ. But whether or not we get up every day applying that to our hearts and our mind and our life is a different story. So this morning, just a couple of questions as we wrap up. Have you ever applied that shield of faith? Do, are you carrying the shield of faith? Is your shield of faith this big? Or is it like the top of a little trash can? Is it flimsy like some of those plates that I get at Thanksgiving? Can't even hold a full meal in there. It starts getting flimsy, falling apart. It's not Dixie. 
If, you're, if your shield is kind of like a Dixie plate, get a bigger shield. You have one of these? If you have one of these, and brothers and sisters in Christ have one of these, God's going to be able to do some great things. How about the helmet of salvation? Are you wearing it this morning? Maybe you come into this place this morning and you say, Pastor Jack, I've been here for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but I'm not really sure that I have received salvation. I'm not even sure if I even have on the helmet of salvation. Can I just tell you, it's so easy. It's easy to do. Just receive the free gift of Jesus. Because it's His free gift that gives us salvation. It's His free gift that gives us the righteousness to hide behind this and to wear this as a warrior for Jesus. And if you come here this morning and you need to do that, in just a minute we're going to have a song and I'm going to invite you just to come. All the pieces of armor that Paul is talking about, you, you can't put on all those pieces until you first have the helmet of salvation. And you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and your Lord. Maybe you'd say this morning, I, I know the Lord, but man, life is rough, and it is. And this morning, I need to apply some of these pieces of armor. Maybe for you this morning, you would come down and just say, you know what, I, I need this right here. And if the cost of lumber wasn't so expensive right now, we would have made a couple hundred of these for you to take home. Because, th- thank you, Ronnie, for bringing this up, because I, I learned visually and I'll be honest, until I really started studying this passage of Scripture years ago, I, I thought the shield of faith was like a, a plate. Well, arrows can get around that plate from the evil one, but if I get behind this, and I've saturated this with water, and we're going to talk about next week what we saturate our lives with that helps us also extinguish those fiery darts, which is God's Word. Maybe you need to exchange your Dixie plate for one of these. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you, God, for what I'm learning when we think about putting on the full armor of God and how vital it is in our spiritual journey. And Lord, maybe there's some friends in this place today who would say, you know what, I need to put on that shield of faith. I need to pick it up. Maybe I need to pick up that helmet of salvation. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today who's never said yes to Jesus, that today that they would surrender their life to you. Because it is a spiritual battle that we face, and we cannot win it if we have not first surrendered to you, the victor, the winner. Lord, thank you for the privilege to gather in this place today. Thank you for the pep rally that we've been able to have to... Jesus, I pray that you'd have your way during this time of invitation. Would you move in our hearts in Christ's name? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? If you're visiting today and you'd like to put your roots down here at Crossroads, I welcome you to come down during our song of invitation. Heath will be here. We'd love to pray with you this morning. If you have any decision you need to make this morning, now's the time. Please make yourself welcome as we sing together.
We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.